0: Hey, good morning. I am excited to be here with you all. Uh, As Steve said, my name is Kevin. I'm the groups and disciple-making pastor here at Genesis. And I'll start out today by uh, reflecting on a moment that oftentimes changes relationships. It's a significant moment. This is a moment where, uh, when it happens, either the relationship is going to get much better or much worse. This is a moment in our relationships when, uh, after this moment... Let's say it this way. After this moment, uh, you're either going to flourish for years in your relationship or the relationship may die within minutes. What moment is that? Well, it's the moment in a relationship when someone decides to say the words, I love you. Oh, isn't this a profound moment, right? It's such a vulnerable moment. Someone gets up the courage and they have the conviction, they've come to the belief that they love this person and they want to tell them, they want to communicate it to them. But they're nervous because they're not sure how the person's going to respond. Will they say, I love you back? Will they say anything at all? After I say this, will I ever see this person again? Do you remember the first time? Remember the first time you said the words, I love you to someone? Maybe to your spouse? My wife had to help me remember some of the details around the first time I said I love you to her. We had been dating for a few months, and uh, we were together at this one particular time, and uh, our time together was coming to a cl- uh, close, and so I was going to pray for us, and, and so I, I, I'm praying, and, and I'm praying for our relationship, and in the midst of my prayer, it slips out. I, it was something like this. I said, Father, thank you so much for Paige. Thank you for our relationship. I love this woman. And I was like, uh-oh. And so I caught myself, and I opened up my eyes and looked at her, and of course, she was looking at me, and we had this, you know, that awkward moment like, oh, I breached the day and there's no going back now, you know? And I started getting choked up and tears filled my eyes, and I said, Paige, I love you. I don't remember if she said it back to me or not, but we did get married, so that's good. We're in a series called Relatively Speaking, and in this series, we're looking at the powerful effect that words can have on relationships. Our words are very important. And the Bible has a lot to say about the importance of the words we speak. Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death. That's a profound statement. Our words have tremendous power. And if you don't, don't think your words have power, then, well, then quite frankly, you're you're being deceived. Because James chapter 1 says, in fact, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Our words really matter, and we should want our words uh, to, to be pleasing to God. Psalm 19, in Psalm 19, the psalmist says this. He says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Our words matter and they matter to God. And our words matter to people. We're taught as little children that sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will. That is such a lie. Why do we lie to children so much? I don't understand. That's not true, is it? Our words do have power, the power to hurt. But our words also have the power to heal. Our words have the power to bless, but our words also have the power to curse. Our words have the power to build up, but our words also have the power to tear down. Proverbs 12:18 says this, "The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing." Proverbs 15:4 says this, "The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit." Ephesians 4.29, the Apostle Paul writes, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. How much? None. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Our words can build others up and add value to their lives. And I think you can make the argument that maybe the most valuable words that we can speak to another person are the three words I love you. So, I have a question for you this morning. And my hope is that you will answer the answer, you will give an answer to this question before you leave here today. And here's the question. Who in your life? Who in your life right now needs to hear you say the words, "I love you." As you sit here this morning, whose name do you need to write here in this blank space? Is it your spouse? Is it your mom or maybe your dad? Is it your brother or your sister? Is it your son or your daughter? Is it a close friend of yours? I want to pause here real briefly and pray because I really want the Lord to lay on your heart over the next few minutes an individual whom He wants you to say the words, I love you. Will you pray with me? Father, I am thankful for this day and this morning, and I am reminded that All of our days are ordained by you, that you have each one of us here this morning for a reason and a purpose. Lord, I believe you want to put someone on our hearts, an individual in our lives, that needs to hear us say the words, I love you. Holy Spirit, will you do that over the next few minutes? Would you lay on each of our hearts an individual, a specific individual, whom you're calling us to tell that we love them? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. uh, There are many Bibles on the floor and the chairs around you. You may want to grab one of those. Uh, We're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 4. The meaning of the words, the meaning of the words I love you, have been greatly diluted in our culture, right? I mean, wouldn't you agree? That's because the meaning of the word love has been greatly diluted. We love everything. And when you love everything, you you don't really love anything, right? I mean, I love a great cup of coffee. Who loves coffee? Thank you, right? We love our clothes. I got a new pair of boots this week. I love my boots. We love cars. We love homes. We love sports. We love books and music and movies. We love our favorite pen. We love everything. I can be sitting at the breakfast table eating a pumpkin spice donut from Jack's Donut, by far the greatest donut man ever created, and I could be eating that donut, and I could look at my wife and say, honey, I love this donut. And then a few minutes later, I could be heading out the door and say, hey, honey, I love you. Like, I just compared my wife to a donut. Do you see how we've diminished and diluted the word love? We've lost the true meaning. And it's because today, the world basically defines love as a feeling. It's sentimentality. And so when someone says, I love you, what they are really saying is, I I like the way you make me feel. And so when I said, I love you to my wife for the very first time when we were dating, I was really saying, I love the way you make me feel, Paige. And to some degree, that's okay. That's good. That's appropriate. That is part of the process. But we just celebrated our, our seventh anniversary last week. And after seven years of marriage, when I say, I love you now, I mean so much more than, I like the way you make me feel. Over the last several years I'm slowly learning slowly learning what it mean what it means what it really means to love someone I'm sure you can relate Our culture primarily defines love as a feeling, but the Bible does not do that. The Bible defines love very differently. And as Christ followers, I think it's important for us to understand what it means when we say, I love you to someone. And so I want to get a biblical view of love. And there's lots of different passages you could turn to throughout the scriptures to do this, but we're going to look at 1 John 4 today. We're going to start with verse 7. Read along with me. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. I want you to notice the first thing we learn about love from this passage is that it comes from God. Do you see that? Love comes from God. Love comes from God because God is love. Love is what makes God who he is. It's his DNA. Uh, it's the very fabric of his being. And so when we become a child of God, when we are born of God, we now possess his DNA. Christ now lives in us. And love is now what makes us who we are. This is why Jesus said, it's by uh, your love for one another that people will know that you're my disciple. A natural result of knowing God and being a child of God and being a Christian, a natural result is that we will love people. An apple tree will produce apples. The knowing God and and, and loving people is inseparable. They're inseparably linked. Okay, so love originates from God. And if that's true, then what can we learn about the definition or the meaning of love from God? Well, let's look back at the text. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. John goes on to write, and he says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, he says. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Notice that God shows his love to us. He demonstrates his love for us. For God, uh, uh, his love isn't just a feeling. His love is an action. And how did God actively demonstrate his love to us? He sent Jesus. Jesus. It was by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross. And who did he send his son to? To you and me. To you and me. It was by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross. He, he sent him to us. He, he directed his love toward us. Can you imagine throwing a football with no one to catch it? That would not be any fun, Right? Now the God of the universe directed his love toward us. We were the intended receivers of his love. God's love is satisfied and fulfilled in you and I. True love can only be expressed in the context of relationship. In fact, I like to say that love isn't just an action. It's beyond that. That love is a pattern of relating. Love is a pattern or a way of relating. That the way God loves us and the way God relates to us is what defines love. I want you to see this pattern of relating for yourself here in this passage. Look at verse ten. Verse ten says this: "This is is God's love that He sent His sent Jesus as an atoning sacrifice for our sins." I want you to notice the word "sent." God sent His Son. The first piece of this pattern of relating is giving. Giving. True love, biblical love, love the way God loves, is a love that gives. You know, the kind of love we see in our culture today is a kind of love that takes. It's a pattern of taking. We see that in our culture. The predominant question is, What's in it for me? And it's a consumer mentality that's just predominant throughout our world, and it's affecting our relationships. And there's a big difference between a consumer and a receiver, isn't there? Someone who consumes doesn't return the favor, a receiver returns the favor. With the consumer, the gift ends. They, are, they absorb, it, absorb it themselves. They consume it themselves. And so the gift ends with them. But the receiver receives the gift and shares it with others. It's given again. And the difference between the two, the heart of the matter, is the character and the nature of the individual. And for those of us who are Christ followers, we've got God's DNA in us. And we have in us the ability to, have, to live out a pattern of giving, not taking. It's asking the question, what can I give to those people I love? Well, what did God give? Verse nine tells us he gave us his one and only son. He gave himself. He gave himself. God sacrificed his own self, his son for our sake. And that's the second piece of this pattern of relating I see in this passage is it's not only the giving, but it's the giving of oneself. It's the giving of oneself. John 3, 16 says that God so loved the world He so loved you and me that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus gave his life so that you and I could gain life. That's what love looks like. He gave of himself so that you and I could have life. He he, he did it for our well-being. And that's the third piece of uh, the pattern that we see is that love isn't just a random act of kindness. God doesn't just randomly love us. No, it was intentional. He sent his son for our well-being. It was for our welfare that he did it. And so it's not random. One author said it this way, love is never satisfied except in the welfare of others. I love that. Listen, Jesus didn't feel like dying on the cross. He didn't feel like dying on the cross. In fact, he prays. Father, take this cup from me. He didn't want to. It's not about feelings for Jesus, though. It was about giving of himself to meet you and I's greatest need. He had our well-being in mind. He said no to what he wanted, and he said yes to what we needed. And so regardless of how we feel, when we say the words, I love you to someone, we are saying yes to what they need to hear. Relating, uh, the pattern of relating is giving. It's not only giving, but it's giving to meet the needs of others. Our greatest need was to have our sins paid for, and God did that for us. He met our greatest need, our need for a Savior. So love seeks to meet the needs of others. We all need to hear the words, I love you, don't we? We really need to hear those words, whether you recognize it or not. On May 5th, In the year 2000, 15 years ago, I can't believe it's been that long ago, hundreds of thousands of people around the world received an email, and when they opened it, they immediately wished they hadn't, because as it turned out, the email was a virus. And it spread all across the world, across Asia and Europe and the United States, and it clogged up servers, and it gave IT managers fits, it shut down entire systems, it hit every major big business sector, uh, everything from Fortune 500 companies all the way through to the Department of Defense and even the CIA. Worldwide, it's affected an estimated 45 million computers and caused $8 billion in damage. What was the secret? The secret to the email were three little words written in the subject line. Anybody remember this? It was the I love you virus. All it said within the subject line was I love you. Well, why did so many people fall for this virus? Why did so many people open that email? I think it's simple. I think it's because just about everybody we know, just about everybody everywhere, wants more, maybe wants more than anything else, is they want to hear someone say I love you. It is the fundamental need of the human heart to be loved and accepted by others. And so the people in your life and the people in my life, they're asking the question, are you there for me? Are you there for me? Can I count on you? Do you really care about me? Am I worthy of your love and your affection? Will you protect me? What do I have to do to get your attention, to win your heart? And so again, I ask you this morning, who in your life needs to hear you say the words, I love you. You know, one of my favorite passages is Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. Here's the scene. The scene is that Jesus is getting baptized, and as he comes up out of the water, his father audibly speaks to him from heaven. And what does he say? He says this, a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. Now, we may look at that and think, well, of course, God loved his son, Jesus. I mean, that's that's a given. That's that's why he said that. You know, I think it was more than just a formality for the father to say that to Jesus. You know, I think the father said that to Jesus. I think it's because Jesus needed to hear it. Jesus needed to hear the words, I love you. And if he needs to hear the words, I love you, how much more do you and I need to hear them? We need to hear those words. We need to hear them from those who are closest to us. We need to hear them from our heavenly father. So another question I would ask you this morning is this. Have you ever heard your Heavenly Father say to you the words, I love you? I'm still learning to discern the voice of God in my life. and It's an ongoing process. But I can point to three different occasions in my life when I have heard the Lord specifically say the words, I love you, to me. Once I woke up at about 3 o'clock in the morning. woke up in bed, and the first thing that came to my mind out of nowhere is Matthew 3.17. I thought, what's Matthew 3.17? And I got up out of bed, and I went to my kitchen table and opened up my Bible and looked at Matthew 3.17, and this is what I read. It was a pattern in my life. My heavenly father was saying to me, Kevin, you're my son, and I love you. One of my good friends and mentors says uh, the predominant message he hears in his life from his heavenly father is simply the words, I love you. Have you heard those words? Boy, any study of the Bible at all, you will see your Heavenly Father says it over and over and over to you and me. He didn't just show it on the cross. I think he wants to speak it to each one of us. And so maybe today you'd pray and you'd say, Lord, I want to hear you say the words I love you to me. Well, we don't need to just hear the words, I love you, from our Heavenly Father. We need to say them. We need to say them not only to Him, but we also need to say, them, say it to others. And for some of us, saying the words, I love you, isn't always the easiest phrase to say. Sometimes it's a struggle. And sometimes it's a, a struggle even with, in the relationships that we value most and the people who we really deeply love. It's with them that we have the hardest time saying those words. Why is that? What, what obstacles would be keeping you from saying the words, I love you, to someone? Maybe you don't say I love you because it's risky. You've said it before. It wasn't well received or you were rejected. Maybe you you don't want to say the words I love you because it's just awkward. You're just not used to it. You're not used to saying it. You didn't hear it growing up. Your family didn't say it growing up and it feels a little foreign. And so maybe you just don't say it and you think, oh, well, they know I love them. I don't need to say it. You feel like talk is cheap, you think to yourself. And maybe you grow a little bit cynical about saying the words I love you. Or maybe you've been hurt. Maybe an individual has hurt you and you're withholding the words as a passive aggressive way of punishing that person. And you don't want to say, I love you to them. Maybe you, maybe you don't say the words, I love you, simply because you've forgotten. You take it for granted. You think, well, I, I say I love you often. I, I don't really need to say it, they know it. But these words are so powerful that they need to be spoken, that our, our, our loved ones need to hear them. It's worth the risk and it's worth the awkwardness. It's worth of letting go the hurt and saying the words, I love you. And maybe saying the words, I love you, will bring some healing to someone in your life. Look at Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Our words can bring healing to people. And for, you know, for some of us, uh, if you're anything like me saying the words i love you actually comes fairly easily i think that's true of my generation my generation i think tends to be able to say it a little easier than my parents generation but i think we i think we struggle to show it more than my parents generation i think they showed it better than they said it but maybe you're like me and and you, you know you it, saying the words is easy for you but maybe you've been maybe you know that that as I've been convicted over the last couple of years, that saying the words, I love you, is only one aspect, that you gotta show it. It's much more difficult for me to show my love to those people I love. It's easier to say it. What's easier for you, to say I love you or to show it? We're called to do both. We're called to demonstrate our love actively by both showing it and saying it. Let's look back one more time at the text. Verse 11, the Apostle John says this, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete. You know, since God related to us in this way, in this loving way, we ought to relate to others in the same way. In fact, that word for ought here in this text means to owe or to be in debt for or to have an obligation. We owe it. We owe it to God and to others, to love them the way God loved us. We have an obligation as God's children with his DNA in us to live out of our identity and to love others the way in which God loves us. I want to draw your attention to one more word in that passage. It's towards the end. It's at the end of verse 12. It's the word complete. It's the word complete. God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Here's what that word means. It means to accomplish or it means to bring to an end or bring to fulfillment. You know what it's like to accomplish a goal, right? You know that feeling you have after you've accomplished a goal or maybe after you've completed a project and you step back and you go, ah, I completed it. Maybe some of you have been feeling this uh, as you've been raking leaves in the last couple weeks. Anybody? Right? You're raking some leaves in the backyard and you spend hours raking and bagging those leaves and, by the way, there's just no efficient way to do it, okay? Okay. And so you clean up all those leaves, and, and you get done cleaning the yard, and when you, when you finish, you step back, and you look at your yard, and all the leaves are gone, and you go, ah, oh, the job is complete. That, that's, what, that's what the, the Apostle John is, is speaking to here. And can I tell you this? When we love others the way in which God loves us, our Heavenly Father sits back and watches and he says, "Ah, that's complete that's complete. Who do you need to say the words I love you to today who Whose name are you writing in the blank space this week, as I prepared the message, one person came to my mind, and it was my mom and i uh, as so often happens is when you prepare a message, the Lord kind of always seems to convict you and Say so you got to work on this too, and uh, and as I was uh, as I was writing the message and studying and preparing, my mom had really laid on my heart. And I say I love you to my mom all the time, but the truth is, most of the time when I say I love you to my mom, it's a salu- it's almost like a salutation, right? It's at the end of the conversation. It's it's what you say before you say goodbye. And so we talk for five minutes, or we talk for ten minutes, and say, "Okay, I love you, I love you too, bye." anybody relate to that? Right? That's what we do. And so I decided that I was going to call my mom and just tell her I loved her. I was so kind of convicted by this that actually I just, I, I just was uh, on the way home, and I stopped and went into to the grocery store, and I was getting something, and so I decided to call her right there. And so I'm walking to the grocery store, and I called my mom, hey, mom, how you doing? Hey. I said, uh, hey, I'm calling for a specific reason. She goes, okay. And, and I said, hey, I just, I'm just calling. And, and right, as I, right as I get ready to said that, uh, I paused, and I, got, I started getting, getting choked up. And I knew that, that this, was, this was me being obedient to my father, and and doing what he'd asked me to do. And so I, I kind of went through and got through the tears, and, and I said, hey, Mom, I just want you to know, I'm just calling to tell you I love you. And she said, is there something wrong? <laughs> are you, you're, there's nothing wrong with you, are, is there? <laughs> no, Mom. I just want you to know I love you. How often do we just call to say, hey, I just want you to know I love you? Who is it in your life? Maybe you got Thanksgiving coming up this weekend. You're going to be around some family. And the truth is, you're not even sure you like them. (laughs) But maybe you need to say, I love you. and Maybe you need to pull them aside and say, you know what? I, I just, I want you to know. I want you to hear the words from me. I love you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for demonstrating your love by sending your son, Jesus Christ, on our behalf. Romans tells us that, God, you so loved us that while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you relate to us in a loving way, that you give to us, that you give of yourself, and that you give of yourself for our well-being. You have our best interest in mind. I'm thankful that you not only said I love you on the cross, but I think, I'm thankful that you, you, you want to say I love you to us uh, here and now in our lives today. And so I pray, Father, that you would speak that into our church family, that you would, you would he, they, we would hear you say the words I love you. And, Father, I also ask that you would just really clearly lay on each of our hearts one individual whom you're calling us to look in the eyes and to say the words I love you. And I pray, Lord, that by doing that, we will, we will show ourselves to be your disciples, that we will demonstrate your love for us as we try to love others. God, may we bring glory and honor to you. May we glorify your name with our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, if you need to, anybody to pray with you today, I'd be right up front. Otherwise, have a great week and happy Thanksgiving.